0: everybody, it's Karen Hartglass here, and you are listening to It's All About Food. Reacting to what's in the news recently, I decided to use this hour to celebrate Miyoko. You know Miyoko, right? She's one of the few awesome vegans that we know by one name. Miyoko Shinner has a long list of accomplishments, which includes six vegan cookbooks. She is best known For her vegan cheeses, founding Miyoko's Kitchen in 2014, which later became Miyoko's Creamery. Miyoko is a unique individual, kind, generous, creative, and courageous. And that's why the vegan world was shocked to discover on February 16th that Miyoko had been fired from the company she founded and bears her name. The story is unfolding before our eyes. She had been privately ousted from her role as CEO back in June of 2022, My friend and colleague, Michelle Simon, has reported that she joined the Miyoko Creamery Board just a few weeks ago, and she sent an email to her subscribers, I am one of them, which noted an article recently published in the San Francisco Chronicle where Michelle was quoted. I want to read this part to you. Michelle Simon, founder of the Plant-Based Food Association, who was appointed by Schinner to Miyoko's Board of Directors this month, called the claims defamation disguised as a lawsuit. The lawsuit is a way to justify firing Shinner after the fact, said Simon. Part of what appears to be a smear campaign to diminish Schinner's reputation by a small number of board members. It's just pure insanity, she said. There's nothing good that can come of a public flogging of a revered leader of vegan food. I want you to know that Miyoko herself does not recommend boycotting her former company's products at this time. She explains in a video on Instagram that she is concerned that the company is being trashed She would like people to express that it isn't that you don't like the brand. You don't like what's going on. She says she wants the brand to survive and be well. Now I am going to play for you three interviews I had with Miyoko in 2012, 2014, and 2016. Here's the excerpt from 2012, where the story about Miyoko's vegan cheese really begins. When she published the groundbreaking cookbook, artisan, vegan cheese. Welcome to It's All About Food again, Miyoko. Hi, Karen. It's nice to be on the show again. (laughs) Yes, thank you. you. You know how exciting this is that you've come up with this book. It's like everybody's screaming about it in your world yeah I, yeah it's pretty exciting it it,
1: it really is and uh, you know in my kitchen it continues to be exciting because I'm always uh, working on on new recipes for new cheeses
0: this is based on lots of things and work that other people have done and you know we're evolving in so many ways as a species and we're evolving with cheese making which is something that's gone on for a long time and why not evolve to using nuts and seeds in order to make cheese instead of animal excretions absolutely absolutely <laughs> i mean why not yeah. and uh and so i think i i hope you realize it now and in the future but i really think this is is groundbreaking. I think this is going to be the foundation of a lot of future products. I hope we see them sooner than later, but I think this will really move people forward in making all kinds of wonderful different che- vegan cheeses.
1: Well, you know, I certainly hope so, and that that was my intent. I mean, you know, I've been asked by people, "Why don't you just make them and sell them?" Mm -hmm. But I really want to be able to give people the tools to do it themselves in in their own kitchens. And, you know, a lot of people can't even get the commercially available cheeses as they are right now. Um, But one thing I want to point out about the cheeses in my book that are different from, you know, what might be commercially available in um, vegan cheeses is that uh, my cheeses are all cultured. And you're absolutely right. I took a tip from a lot of different people and lots of different, um, you know, uh, processes that are already out there. The raw foodists uh, completely inspired me with their culturing um, nut-based cheeses. But then I just took it a few steps further. Mm -hmm. And instead of just making a basic cashew cheese, like, well, why couldn't I turn this into cheddar or Gruyere? Or, you know, or if I did this, if I tweaked it this way, I added this or I cooked it or I cultured it longer or... Or to get a dry, hard cheese, you know, what if I air-dried it just like a regular cheese? Because that's what you do with, you know, the harder cheeses um, like Parmesan's. Or, they're all air-dried for
0: months and months and months. Um, I, I really want to think that more people are going to find their kitchens I know we've, we've gotten so far away from most people making their own food on a regular basis in their kitchen. And there is a certain amount of movement back there with food shows and, and people wanting to save on the cost of eating out lots of different reasons and just wanting to get healthier. So I'm always saying find your kitchens, folks. But, um, other than making salads and soups, um, vegan cheese is another level away and it doesn't look like it's really complicated but it is a little time consuming it does require some organization and a place to store things while you're waiting for them to to grow yeah <laughs> well
1: you know okay so in terms of time consuming um you know they're absolutely not instant cheeses although there is a chapter for uh Practically instant ones that you can make. So you just can't wait, you know, things that you can make in a day or in a few minutes. there are They are available. There's a chapter for that in my book. But there really isn't a lot of hands-on time for any of the cheeses. Um, It's really just a matter of waiting, and that Mm -hmm. waiting can be anywhere from 24 hours to several weeks. And the the but the beauty of the cheeses is that they gain their sharpness from the culturing process, just like regular cheeses do. You know, a lot of the commercial cheeses or a lot of the recipes that were available for vegan cheeses before involve um, getting that that tang or the cult or the sharpness by adding something like lemon juice or vinegar, and then it really doesn't taste sharp. It just tastes Mm -hmm. a little bit tangy. Um, And so, you know, what I really wanted to do was to let nature take its own course. And um, so that's what you have to do. You know, sometimes, um, depending on the cheese, you know, you might have to wait a couple of days or you might have to wait a, f- a few weeks, depending on the texture and the flavor and the degree of sharpness you want. And then again, um, a lot of these cheeses actually taste better after they've been in your refrigerator for several months. <laughs> it's mm. strange, but they continue to age in your refrigerator. Um So it's kind of fun. It's exciting. And, it yeah, it is definitely more work um, than, you know, just going out and getting a package of something. But I think you're right. There is a movement towards getting back into the kitchen. I know that I make so much more myself now than I did. You know, I have three kids, and they're all older now. But when they were little, I mean, I started buying. I remember the day I was shocked. I shocked myself when I went into the store and I bought a jar of marinara. (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't believe it because I'd never done that in my life. I'd always made everything from scratch—you mm-hmm. know, bread, vegan mayonnaise. Oh, everything. But you get tired. I, yeah. I just got tired and worn down. Yeah. You know, just, just like making food all the time to feed all these mouths, and <laughs> and so now they're older, and, and I've got more time, and I'm I'm sort of back in there in the kitchen now. You know, my husband grows vegetables, and and so from the harvesting to making our own, you know, my own jams, breads, vegan mayonnaise, um, you know, even vegan butter now. cheese everything mm. it's just everything just there's less packaging, you know my daughter gets upset about it. it's like why you know why do we have so much garbage look mm-hmm. at all these all this packaging and every time you go to the store, if you're not buying just you know produce from the farmer's market there's all that packaging to deal with. So, you know, I like um, to,
0: I like to point yeah. out, most people do these things obviously for convenience and they're overwhelmed and they have a lot of work to do. Right. But these things that are, you. these fast foods and these convenient foods, if you really look at what it took to get them to your home, there's nothing fast or convenient about them. There's a big no, price. No, it's
1: just, what, it just didn't happen in your home. That's all. That's right. Else. I mean,
0: there were factories yeah. and people right. and processing and energy right. and lots of stuff goes into it. Yes. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know,
1: I, I find a calm in my kitchen when I'm mm. doing all this stuff. I, it's, like me, it's sort of like meditation for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I certainly didn't feel that way when my kids were little. So, you know, <laughs> I, I sympathize with, with the, you know, the millions of, of women out there, men out there that are trying to raise a family and, yes, and put small a decent children. meal on the, on the table. Mm. So,
0: small children, yeah. teenagers, they all take a lot of a lot, yeah. of, a lot of, I don't know, a lot of everything. Yeah. Rejuvelac. I uh, use rejuvalac as the probiotic in the recipes,
1: um, and it's not I actually also use non dairy yogurt as a, as as the uh, as a thing that gets the culturing going as well too so there's some recipes that don't use rejuvalac at all
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, if you go through the book mm-hmm. um, but the reason I use that is because a lot of the the raw food cheeses the nut cheeses will say to use um a powder probiotic. And what I found is that, one, um, a lot of the powder probiotics are actually not vegan because they're grown in a dairy base. Right. Um, and, two, they're really expensive. Expensive. You can, <laughs> they can spend $25 for a tiny little bottle. And I want my book to be accessible to as many people as possible all over the world. And, you know, in many parts of the, of the world you can't get a bottle of probiotics.
0: You know, you, so can, so buy thought, you can buy a probiotic and it can all be dead. That's yeah, another that's problem.
1: True. That's true. And I've also used probiotic bottles. You know, I've used them before, and sometimes they just don't work. Mm-hmm. So I found that you know, if you have, if I have a recipe for Rejuvelac in there, and uh you know, you can buy whole grains anywhere in the world. You can get some kind of whole grain, and you can sprout that and turn that into Rejuvelac. So um that's I, why I, it's and, and genius.
0: I, I just love the concept, and I can't wait to do it because. Well, this whole pro- probiotic thing, it's important to have them. We need probiotics in our gut. The powders are expensive, and I like the idea of making it fresh. It's got to be bitter.
1: Yes, 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 absolutely. Now, i uh, you know, I have to admit, um, sometimes I need to get make a cheese, and I don't have time to make the rejuvelac. Mm-hmm. I cook down a Whole Foods, and I buy a bottle. Cause, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I usually have some that's homemade sitting around, but, um, you know, I run out and and stuff like that happens. Right,
0: and then the other thing about making yogurt, I've made soy yogurt before. The last few times I tried it, it didn't work out so well, and now I know that I need to, uh, because it's always so thin, but the cashews you add to the soy milk.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of ways of doing it. I actually have a a video on YouTube. If you go there Mm. and Google, My name, Miyoko Shinner, uh, homemade yogurt, you can watch a video where I... Show you how to make it, but um, you know, I came up with that little trick of adding the raw cashews to the soy milk to in it because I just I find that the commercial soy milks, I'm sorry, the commercial n- non-dairy yogurts, like the soy yogurts, um, to be a little bland, and the only reason they're thick is that they thicken them with tapioca and some other stabilizers. Yep. Gum. So, if you want to make a traditional homemade yogurt that sticks by itself, um, you can do it two ways. You can either boil down the soy milk so um, for about fifteen minutes, so that it's reduced by about one third, hmm. and then you can make a really nice, rich, creamy soy yogurt that way. Or you can just, you know, throw in a handful of cashews into a quart of soy milk and puree that, and then start use that to make your yogurt.
0: I can't wait so, to get started. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. No good. Well, I want you to get in your kitchen right now. Get oh, no. off the phone. I, get I off am. the radio. Get I, in your kitchen. <laughs> I'm
0: just- well, I, I'm going to go to the store right after this and buy a few yeah. things that I need. And I promise I'm going to do those things. The basic routine is pretty similar here with your different recipes. Some of them have some really lovely flavors, and and by culture, them shorter or longer, you get different flavors. You use some oils to give some of your cheeses a more meltier feeling. You've got hard cheeses and just about anything you'd want to make. The cream cheeses look outstanding. And then- Well, the
1: cream cheese is, you know, I know there's a lot of cream cheeses on the market, mm-hmm. but the one thing I can say about the commercial Vegan cheeses is that the first ingredient in most of them is oil. Mm-hmm. And then there is sometimes soy protein or soy milk or, and then it's just, you know, basically it's oil with maybe a little bit of some sort of protein and then stabilizers. And to me that doesn't seem like a whole food. Nope. So I really like to have foods that you know. I, I want to be eating mostly whole foods, and I'm not, you know, I'm not as um, pure as your last guest. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I I do engage in the in uh, what Chef AJ calls the evil trinity: salt, sugar, and oil, on mm. occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I'm I, I definitely choose what I eat sometimes with my taste buds, and but you know, but for but for the most part, you know, ninety. 5% of the time, I, I do like to have uh, a whole foods, plant-based diet, um, not, you know, eating processed vegan foods. So
0: well, I, 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 like, I try to um, stay away from the, yeah. I think we really need to go backwards as we're going forwards in time. Yes. And backwards in terms of using whole foods, getting all the chemicals out of our foods. You know, I have this crazy chemical engineering background, and yet I hate all of the chemical engineered foods that it right, just shouldn't right. be. Um, and I personally, in most of my foods, I avoid oil and salt. But then I like to have some toppings and things that... And that's where some of the fat and the soil uh, and the salt are, because it's just like a garnish. It's not the whole food is laden with oil and salt, and right. And that's where the cheese yeah. is wonderful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I'm with you. I, and I don't cook with a lot of oil and salt either, generally speaking. But you know what I found with my cheeses is I tried to make them as oil free as possible. But there were I could not get them to melt unless there was some oil in them. But the first ingredient isn't oil; it's something else, like Mm -hmm. the soy yogurt. And then, um, then there is a little, you know, there's enough oil in there to get them to melt. But nutritionally, they still stack up much better than their dairy counterparts, Um, or their, you know, or the stuff you get at the store. So, um, but most of the other cheeses, you know, 90% of the cheeses in the book do not use oil at all because um, I've tried to avoid it, and they're based on relatively healthful
0: ingredients. Okay, so you don't have any immediate plans on making any of these cheeses yourself? I mean, well, for sale? <laughs> for manufacturing?
1: Oh, uh, you know. Who knows? I've been in business before, as you know. But, um, I, you know, I am entertaining certain certain things um considering uh going into the restaurant business again mm. um and uh well, so that's, here's the thing that for you. I am entertaining. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you've
0: thought about all of this, but when you first came on the scene, and I will never forget it. I told you this the last time we spoke, but I remember the restaurant, Now and Zen. It was near Japantown, and then there was, right? It was around Japantown, San Francisco, yeah. somewhere around yeah, there? Absolutely yeah, absolutely it was. And, uh, and then I was so excited when I was flying on United to have the Now and Zen cookie. The thing is, you were one of like our Uh, Four persons. I don't want to say forefathers. (laughs) Um, But the timing, uh, people weren't like ready yet. And now people are really, so it must have been very painful for you in that time. We didn't have the internet. You didn't have all this access to marketing. And now the time is really ripe, ripe for vegan cheese by Miyoko.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, it definitely, you know, when I started, I was always constantly explaining to people why I didn't use dairy or eggs and, and why I didn't use sugar, because, you know, when I had now and then, we didn't use any kind of sugar either, and I still don't, I, t- I typically use, you know, natural sweeteners, mm-hmm. I guess, that can be qualified as sugar by a lot of people, but, you know, maple syrup and that sort of thing, so... Um, yeah, the time is right now, and I am ready, <laughs> I am ready to take off. So, I'm you know I'm hoping that that this cheese thing goes somewhere. Um, you know, I love to teach. That's one of the things that is most important. That was the one thing about manufacturing that I really didn't like. Was it was just sort of unilateral? I'm just putting food. I'm just you know distributing food, but there was no.
0: Yeah, but people There's really, people exchange. really want this. People really want vegan cheese. Now, the, I just was curious. Yeah. When you're growing things, bacteria, uh, have you ever had any batches go bad, or is there, are there some safety concerns that we need to keep in mind? Yes,
1: there, yes, and that is something that's very, very important. That I should state is that the, this is not an exact science, and different temperatures um you know the how clean the equipment are you are using the the uh, you know the ambient temperature of the room um the humidity all of that comes into play in how your cheeses perform and so um you know, if you're working at, you know, I don't know, 90% humidity and 110-degree middle of summer, um, your cheeses are going to culture much faster, and they can go bad much faster as well, too. Hmm. Um, so, you know, there's things that you have to watch out for. Um, it's not as simple as, as providing a recipe for, you know, making a pasta sauce or something. Right. It's an um, art. It's, it's a little more art. complex. It's an art and you really have to watch these things and it would be wonderful if I went into manufacturing. I'd have to figure out some sort of, um, you know, um, uniform, um, you know, temperature that they would all be cultured in. I'd have to have something like a cave or something like that. (laughs) Whereas, you know, there'd be temperature controlled and all of that so that you can sort of predict the outcome of the product. Yes. Um, but the fact is, you know, I give a range on how long you should culture these cheeses because, It depends. I mean, even in my own kitchen, sometimes the sharp cheddar takes 48 hours and sometimes it takes 96 before it's ready.
0: Well, I know somebody's Um, going to do it. I know some people are going to start doing it, and it's just a question of when, and we're all evolving now, and vegan cheeses are there so thank you. Thank you for getting the cheese ball rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Miyoko, for joining me again on It's All About Food and all the best to you with artisan vegan cheeses. I can't wait to dig into it. Thank you, Karen, for having me. That was part one, my interview with Miyoko in 2012. What's amazing to me is how quickly Miyoko's kitchen was created and grew so fast. You heard it when I said, okay, So you don't have any immediate plans on making any of these cheeses yourself for sale, for manufacturing? And Miyoko responds, well, I've been in business before, but I am entertaining certain things. I'm considering going into the restaurant business again, and that's something I'm entertaining. And then, of course, as we say, the rest is history. Now let's go to an excerpt from my 2014 interview after Miyoko's Kitchen has been founded. The last time we talked, you had come out with this wonderful book, and you were showing uh, all of us how to make our own cheese. We talked a little bit about manufacturing the cheese, and here you are, two years later, and it's happening.
1: It really is happening. You know, and two years ago, when I did speak to you, I think you know people were saying, "Well, why did you write a book instead of just starting another company?" And because I'd had companies in the past and run my own businesses in the past. You know, I just wasn't, like, thrilled. The idea of starting a new company just wasn't quite as appealing. So (laughs) I didn't really picture it myself doing what I'm doing right now. But, you know, it did. uh, But enough people kept asking me, why don't you just make cheese? I mean, I love your book but I don't want to go through the hassle. Mm-hmm. I'm just never going to make anything, in it. I'd rather just buy it. Mm-hmm.
0: You really had to do it. Yes. No yep. regrets I, yet, right? Everybody's so excited no, no reg- about this No product. regrets.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah, we're really excited about it.
0: Yeah. You know, I I tell people, I've been saying this for years. People are probably tired on the show of me saying it, but I'm always saying get, find your kitchen, get into your kitchen, make your food. I know that you make most things by scratch, and, and I think for the most part our basic foods we should. Cheese is a little complicated. That's right. It is it does take, you know, and that's why most people don't make.
1: I mean, there are cheese making classes in the dairy world mm-hmm. all over, but most people don't embark down, you know, on that path because it's just very detailed. There's a lot. There's a it's a real commitment. And as I mentioned before, patience is the most important ingredient in any kind of process that involves culturing or fermentation or aging, you know. So, um it takes a while.
0: Yeah, so culturing and fermentation Uh, This is the part that gives these cheeses, all cheeses, their unique flavor and tang and body. But um, we're dealing with microscopic little living things, and they can either go your way or another way. Uh, and I, and you were talking about this the first time, finding, controlling the temperature and controlling everything you need to make a consistent and safe product.
1: That's right. And so that's something we had to explore really, really deeply and thoroughly. Uh, before we started this company, because we know we do want to grow uh we, we don't want to just be you know selling at farmers' markets we want to be a global company eventually, and so we wanted to be we wanted to make sure that we were producing something that was safe and so we actually hired a couple of cheese consultants who've been absolutely fabulous uh mm. cheese consultants to the dairy industry who helped us really uh, set those parameters and figure out how to you know f- safe practices and we spent a lot of time. Uh, Developing what's called a HACCP plan, which stands for Hazard Analysis and Critical Control Mm -hmm. Point. So we would have all of our controls in place. So not just temperature, but measuring the pH and the water activity and all of this stuff. So we can be sure that we are producing a safe product and that it's a consistent product. So we're not just winging it each time, you know, which is wonderful. It can be very artisanal, you know, kind of winging it in your own kitchen. And as long Mm -hmm. as you're you know your, your your surfaces are clean and all of that. You can generally have a safe product, but every single time your cheese is going to come out a little bit different because of all you know the lack of these controls. So when you, I, yeah. So when you mass produce, you need to have that in place. But you know it's interesting because that's really how man's been making cheese for uh, thousands of years. Yeah. Even in Europe today, you know there are people, and I'm not a French speaker. I'm trying to remember the the proper there's a, a proper French term for the person who. Ages the cheeses, hmm. um, and and so they typically, you know, they often might have a natural cave, and their right. sole job—they don't actually make cheese. All they do is age it, and they make well. sure that the, the, you know, but they're doing it in caves, and that's how people have been doing it for many, many, many eons. So, um, it's not if you think about the kind of bacteria that's in cheese or any kind of fermented product, you know, the idea of having something that's cultured where the pH is is low enough. Um, and you have a low enough water activity, those are going to be things that are going to prevent the wrong stuff from growing. So it's really controlling all of that. So there are some wonderful things that are growing in in all fermented foods, from yogurt to kimchi to pickles, that are going to prevent the bad pathogens from growing.
0: Right, Um, and and, um, in different areas when we ferment things, it it takes the bacteria that's in the area so um, that's right Mm -hmm. now you're in a controlled facility and maybe that won't be as affected with the environment outside but you know i
1: think i think there's there's always going to be airborne bacteria and airborne yeast that are going to get onto things
0: Hmm. but we do have
1: you know but we're not you know sterilizing the air or anything Mm -hmm. but we do have a very very clean facility and uh, visitors will be able to see it when they when we open up our retail shop sometime next year. We have these huge, beautiful picture windows that mm-hmm. look into both the production facility where we're making the cheese, as well as the aging room. We have the state of the art aging room where we'll be we'll have up to ten thousand units of cheese on racks aging, mm-hmm. and so you'll be able to look into it and see all these beautiful rounds of cheese aging mm-hmm. in there. Um, so. Uh you will be able to see it. it. and I think people will be impressed how you know, how clean and sanitary our facility is because we've really taken all precautions to do that. But despite that, there's still air and and, and you know, and any time you have any kind of air there's gonna be some form of bacteria and yeast. Um so you can't remove all of that. So right. some of that will be there.
0: And it's good. Yeah. In some ways, I understand how we want to make products that are like the products that we've been familiar with. Um, On the other hand, I think that all of these lovely vegan foods that have come along over the years are unique and individual and should stand on their own. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, some people might whine and say, you know, why do you want to have cheese? It tastes just like cheese. Why don't you eat cheese? (laughs) Right. You know, and they say that about meat analogs too. And you know, it, all of that is just nonsense. Uh, we well, love our. we
1: don't, we don't necessarily become vegan because we don't. You know, it's not because we hate, we hated meat or cheese. It's because we were trying to. We know who protect they are. or yeah, we yeah. I mean, we wanted, we did it for another reason, but it didn't mean that we didn't like those flavors.
0: Mm-hmm. And I don't
1: see any, any problem with enjoying the reliving those flavors. I mean, it's not just, you know, is it really cheese or is it that sensation of something that's fatty and rich and creamy
0: mm-hmm. that you can
1: have with your wine on a Friday night when you're trying mm-hmm. to unwind or something, you know. I think there is an occasion for all of these things. I, I myself don't eat my cheese on a daily basis because um, I'm more of a kind of a beans and rice and veggie kind of gal, but I certainly want to have sort of an elegant spread of cheeses, you know, for special occasions and and be able to enjoy that without harming my body or the environment or animals.
0: For that rich, luxurious, lovely flavor. That's
1: really what it is. It's, that, it's just enjoying a bit of luxury, you know, mm-hmm. that's really what it's for, and that's sort of the meaning of it. And, you know, I'm... Uh, You know, I definitely have an interest in coming out with a line of more everyday cheeses, you know, your Swiss and your cheddar and and the kind of stuff that you put on a pizza, the mozzarella or whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, grilled cheese sandwich. But I really wanted to set the bar high when we Mm -hmm. rolled out our product and Mm -hmm. come out with just a unique line of just stellar artisanal products that would show people, not just vegans, but Everybody. Um, everybody.
0: Mhm. These are done.
1: cheeses. Mhm. You can do this and you can do this with plants. Yeah, and there's
0: there's only real ingredients in your cheeses.
1: Thank you for noticing. There's only real ingredients yeah. there's
0: no gums That's or anything. Right. Yeah yeah there's no
1: I mean, you know if you look at a lot of the, the, the plant-based or vegan cheeses on the market, the first ingredient and in a lot of them are is oil mm-hmm. and then the second ingredient is some sort of starch And so you're, you're paying whatever you know people say oh our cheeses are expensive because they're 10 to 12 dollars for one round but you know when you when you go out and buy one of these vegan cheeses, you're paying $4.99 for, for oil and starch. And gums mm-hmm. so you 're not paying for real food you're paying for
0: and not only are these foods real, but they 're mostly organic
1: they well not only most yes that's that's correct. we are certified organic our all of our products except for the ash, the ash is made from um, organic cashews as well, but it that that product is not certified organic mm. uh, because the ash can 't be so, but everything else is
0: the one that I tried was the cheddar. Let's see, I'm looking for the actual name. Is it the
1: Aged English Sharp Farmhouse?
0: It was the Aged English Sharp Farmhouse, yes.
1: Yeah. Well, you yes. know, we can't really use words like cheddar or we can't even oh, really say right. cheese, just so you know. <laughs> um, we're not supposed to because there are they are called standards of identity, um, and they, are, they can only be used for products made out of uh, dairy milk. So, wow. either you know goat's milk or cow's milk, but not from cashew milk. Wow, so we have had come up with our own name to describe these beautiful products, and that is cultured nut product.
0: Hmm.
1: So, so next time you smile for the camera, say cultured nut product
0: well. I will. Cultured nut product. But you know what? We need to work on getting the cheese to be a little more, a little more, what do I want to say, open-minded. You know, just like we're fighting for rights for individuals, for freedoms, I think cheese needs to be a broader term.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you know, (laughs) just like soy milk at one time, they had the same battle and and they eventually won.
0: So Mm -hmm. it's very,
1: very possible that eventually uh, we will be able to call our product cheese. But right now... Um, you know everybody knows we're talking about a cheese alternative product. um we just you know try to avoid using that word uh in the media when we're you know we're fine for other people to let other people call it cheese. We just can't do it ourselves <laughs> so <laughs>
0: kind the, of funny. Uh, oh, but the ones that I've seen in the store are the ones made with all the artificial ingredients that don't taste very good. They all say cheese on them, soy cheese, or they say cheese alternative. Is that what they say?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a California law um, uh, oh. rule, ruling, actually, for manufacturers in California, and there are lots of companies that just aren't on the radar. They just, California just doesn't have the bandwidth to go out and, and shut down every. <laughs> manufacturer that uses the word cheese in on their packaging. Mm. But we just wanted to play it safe. We just didn't right. want to take that risk, so we didn't.
0: Okay, um, well, let's yeah. talk about that aged, English, sharp, farmhouse nut milk loveliness. <laughs> and um, it has a, a drier, firmer texture than the other cheeses that I tried, and it, it had that, um, that dryerness drierness Consistency that you get in those Other things that we don't want to talk About anymore. (laughs) That's right And that
1: that was what I You know, I I strived for Um, We wanted to have a we wanted to have a uh a cultured nut product that really was reminiscent of a an aged English sharp cheddar uh, nothing like that exists on the market right. so we without using the word cheddar, we came up with aged English sharp farmhouse with you know without saying using the word cheddar, you knew immediately what we were trying to do, which tells me that hey, we kind of did okay there and that one is aged that's one of the rounds that uh, gets aged for um I can't tell you exactly how long because that's proprietary, but yeah. anyway it gets age for weeks and weeks and weeks in our aging room.
0: You have a number of directions to go in now. I, I know you've got a lot on your plate right now, and you're just getting started. But you mentioned making some of the more um, everyday cheeses, but also the there are lots of cheeses that are aged for a very, very, very long time, and yes. that adds to the expense. And the costs, of course, but is there a plan to to do that? I mean, how long? What's the longest you've ever aged a cheese yourself? Over a year. And what was it like? It was very, very hard,
1: like a Parmesan. Mm-hmm. And you know, it gets stronger in flavor. And I have, a, you know, a, you can grate it on a microplane it's so fine it's sort of granular and you know hard and so there's a lot we can do but you know having to age cheese for a year takes up a lot of space so it's not real estate that we have right now so we're you know but that is definitely an interest that i have somewhere down the line um i would love to do that another thing that we want to roll out in spring of next year um is a bloomy rind Cultured nut product and, um, if, if Some some of you listeners may not know What a Bloomy rind cheese is But those are the cheeses that have that white mold on the outside Like Hammond Bear and Brie So we have one that's phenomenal And it's, you know, it, it gets as it gets older The flavor gets stronger and gooier in the middle And our um, cheese consultants Are the ones that we hired um, These are their words They tasted it and they said, I would buy this This <laughs> is just like Brie Wow. So that was, to me, the highest compliment And, is- you know, we yeah, so we want to roll that one out. That one's a little finickier than what we're doing right now.
0: I'm just so curious what the consultants thought about what you were doing. I think they thought we were crazy
1: initially, yeah. and now they love us, and yeah. we love them. They're <laughs> phenomenal. And I predict they're going to be vegan because they're really interested in it. Oh, They have yeah. had many meals with us mm-hmm. and ask all these questions about veganism, and they're just so inter- interested. Wow. Um, and they've done so much to help promote our product as well, too, to to um, omnibus or it's like when they go speaking they served our cheese to uh, a big you know to a big group of people at a food festival and the and the uh, the response was phenomenal um, people didn't didn't believe it was vegan
0: yeah well I'm looking forward so. to the day when they when a movie comes out and the vegan mioko's vegan cheese wins over the French vegan cheese just like what was that movie with the California wines versus the French wines thank you for Talking to me today, Miyoko. I'm so excited. I'm so glad you're doing this. Time marches on, and all good things are happening. Well, I'll talk to you maybe another two years, Karen. That was an excerpt of my interview with Miyoko from 2014, and I did get to talk with her two years later in 2016, and you'll hear that in a moment. Miyoko came up with the name Cultured Nut Products because she couldn't call them cheese. In California, but she sued and won, and that benefits all of us. Butter and cheese can be made from plant-based milk and be called butter and cheese. Even the FDA recently ruled that dairy alternatives made from soy, almond, and oat beverages can now be called milk. Now let's listen to my last interview in 2016 celebrating Miyoko's vegan mozzarella and cultured vegan butter. You know, I'm really grateful that you're spending this half hour with me because you are the most amazing person out there these days doing a gazillion things and we want to get to all of that. I think right now the the thing that most people are excited about is your cheese. I noticed the uh, Veg News on the front of their website is talking about your new vegan mozzarella. Let's talk about that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, the mozzarella is fantastic. Um, you know, I'm really excited about it because it's our first truly meltable cheese. But what makes it different from all the other meltable cheeses on the market? Well, there's several reasons. One is that it's something that you can truly enjoy. Uh, either cold sliced in a caprese salad or in a sandwich or melted on a pizza or in a sandwich and the melting ability of this cheese is absolutely phenomenal you can't tell it apart from regular cheese. Um, you know, if you put it on a pizza, like a margarita pizza, it really looks like fresh buffalo mozzarella. It bubbles, it browns, it's really melty and gooey. It's absolutely lovely. Um, once again, it's like all of our other cheeses in that it is a cultured cheese. So we add cultures to it, which is what gives it the unique flavor of cheese rather than adding cheese flavor to it. Um, so we make it in a very sort of traditional mozzarella type of way we also brine it in uh, brine which is salt water to give it extra flavor so it really is there's a bit of artistry involved in making this cheese and i'm really thrilled that we were able to produce this one
0: all right so here's something i want to ask you you started making vegan food available for the public with a restaurant in san francisco a long time ago you started manufacturing food a long time ago then you took some time off. You raised your family. You came back. What's different now?
1: Well, the whole marketplace is different. The whole world is different. I think people are wake, waking up to the necessity of changing the way they eat because they're beginning to realize the huge impact it makes not only on their own health but on the planet, on, on animals. I think when I first became a vegetarian or you know, or vegan um, back in the 70s and then vegan in the 80s, you know, most people who went vegan did it for health reasons there really wasn't that much information out there about the environment nor about uh the you know the unethical treatment of dairy cows you know people who didn't want to hurt animals basically just didn't eat them they were vegetarian but unless you were really really worried about lactose or something you know a lot of people just didn't go vegan It just they didn't understand why. Today, yeah. people understand why. There's so much information out there, thanks to the internet and so many wonderful books and publications. All the information that's out there today—it's almost, you know, it's impossible when you look at the facts straight in the eye and realize the suffering that happens to, you know, the whole veal industry exists because of the dairy industry, for example. When you realize the cruelty that um, that that dairy uh, cows have to undergo in order to be able to provide milk for us, you know, it's really hard to continue using dairy products. I mean, it's hard not to go vegan when you really, really get it. So I think that's really the main difference is that the world is just so much more ready to make that transition. The world, mankind as a humankind has evolved, is changing slowly and surely towards a more compassionate um, life, you know, I really do believe that e- we as a species are evolving, um, for the better. This is sort of the last, um, you know, hurdle that we have to get over is, is, I mean, we are treating hu- other humans better. I know there's still a lot of suffering in the world and a lot of wrongdoing, but just overall compared to, you know, the Crusades or something, <laughs> we've made progress.
0: Just briefly about those cows, those precious cows, um, there are still people that think if they're buying, Um, organic milk, organic dairy, that they think that the cows are treated better, and maybe to some degree they have a little more space, maybe they're getting some better food, but they're still being raped, period.
1: They're still being raped. Their babies are still taken away from them upon birth so that we can in turn drink their milk. So they're having their children abducted. Immediately, and they are very emotional creatures, and sometimes they they chase after their their calves. Um, You know, there's lots of stories and videos you can watch about that. Not only that, um, they're still slaughtered. It's not like they spend the rest of their life, you know, grazing in the grass once their milk production goes down. Once their milk production goes down, they're no longer needed.
0: They're hamburgers. And so they
1: go off. Yeah, they become hamburger. It's it's almost worse than if you're just a, uh, a beef cow. At least, you know, the, the cows that you see grazing the grass outside are typically beef cows. And if you see a cow with you know with a calf, then they're usually beef. And, you know, they look like they're happy, and they probably are for a couple of years until the slaughter truck comes along to carry them off to the slaughterhouse. But But dairy cows... Tend to live most of their lives indoors because they have to be in fact it 's not just dairy cows you know it 's the same thing with with um with goats there's a a I live mm. sort of in the in the center of artisanal cheese production um there's lots and lots of very uh, very high end artisanal creameries where I live and I was just at a trade show um last week where i was my table the Miyoko's kitchen table was right next to um a high end goat cheese table. <laughs> And the woman was really nice, and I was chatting with her about goats because I've started a little rescue, a little sanctuary at my house. I have a little farm, and I have goats I've been rescuing. So I struck up a conversation. I asked her, you know, what do you do with your male goats? Oh, you know, they, they sell them at, usually at, when they're babies for meat or whatever. And um, she made kind of a strange comment. She goes, well, you know, um, goats are very picky eaters, which I know. You know, it's not true that they eat anything. <laughs> she goes, you know, for example, they don't eat grass. And I'm like, what do you mean they don't eat grass? My cow, you know, my goats eat grass. They're grazing in the grass all the time. They also graze on, you know, they also browse on trees, especially willow and all kinds of things like that. But they definitely are out there, uh, you know, chomping on tall, green, fresh spring grass. And I kind of looked at her quizzically wondering, and she goes, oh, you know, but I mean, our goats, we they only go out three or four times a year. Mm. Uh, and I said, what do you mean they only go out three or four times a year? And she's like, well, you know, they have to be indoors because they're for milking. So that's yeah. why she doesn't, even though she's had goats for 30 years, she doesn't know that they actually do eat grass because her goats are indoors. I mean, this is you know, how the industry operates, um, these poor goats that are chef makers. um are confined to a life indoors except for three or four times a year. So that's the industry. And then, you know, their babies, of course, are are taken away at birth and and sold for whatever, for slaughter or whatever else, maybe 4-H if they're lucky. There's That's this romance the around
0: goat cheese, goat butter, and oh, goat so milk. there's so much
1: romance around yeah, goat cheese, and it's you know it's not very like romantic. It's healthier when you see the life because uh,
0: the goat milk molecule is supposed to be more like the human milk, but it's not without exploitation, as you just described. Well, why don't we just have moms donate milk? You know, like human
1: moms, and we can start oh. making breast milk cheese. Sure, and, and pay that, that, for that it. could be cruelty free. I mean, and, you know, moms could get paid for contributing their milk.
0: But, you know, the natural reaction is what? Ew! Ew, it'd be ew. And then, you know, what do the
1: babies eat? Well, the babies would then have to drink formula. And Mm. then people would say, well, that's really cruel. That's
0: unnatural. But that's exactly (laughs) what happens to these poor dairy cattle and goats. You know, so. I'm wondering, you said Miyoko's Kitchen, your cheese factory, is near some other artisanal creameries. That must put a lot of cultures in the air that all of you share.
1: Oh, I don't, you know, there's cultures everywhere in the air. It doesn't matter where you are, and there's cultures on apples and lettuce and just about everything there's basically the cultures are lactic acid bacilli and they're everywhere they're everywhere to be found in the air on fruits and vegetables it's all over the place um but it, you know as a small batch artisanal uh operation you know we have clean rooms and and air filtration mm. and all of this and they all operate in the same way and we buy uh non-dairy cultures from a proprietary you know a proprietary blend that we we buy that we source um you know that are made in a in a lab, or um, <laughs> grown in a lab, so it's not you know we're not making but but as they ferment as they age, they do capture additional cultures um, or bacteria and yeast from the air um, which is, of course gives it a unique flavor, and that's just that, that's a, that's the case wherever you are in the world. you're gonna you know if I make cheese here and take the same recipe and make it in let's say France in a certain area, um, it could taste slightly different because of whatever is present in the air
0: now speaking of France. The last time we spoke, I think your cheese company was just starting, and you told me that you were working with these French cheesemakers, and they were actually becoming curious about what you were doing, so is there an update on that story?
1: The people that I was working with were sort of consultants um, who helped us design our aging room. You know, we're not working, they, they kind of played their part. We're not working with them right now, but they were very, very intrigued by what What we were doing, in fact, they were teaching a a cheese class and giving some lectures on cheese at a cheese festival. Um, locally, a big one, and they thought it would be really interesting to sample our cheese, so, you know, we sent it to them, and I don't know if I told you this story or not, um, but somehow there was a (laughs) mix-up. It got Our cheese got served at the wrong event, not the one where they were going to be, you know, deliberately talking about it, but it got served at the regular cheese event, not the alternative cheese event, but it got served at the regular cheese event and just served alongside all the other cheeses um, and presented to people as dairy cheese. And no one knew the difference. Of course. The people loved it. So there mm-hmm. you go. And these are, you know, <laughs> these weren't vegans. So, you know, Did that vegan really and, and happen
0: either... by mistake? Or maybe it, the universe well, wanted that to happen, but yeah, it's a that's great right, story. That's right.
1: That's exactly uh, right, yeah.
0: The cheese is really good, and I don't know, but I think history is going to look back on you, Miyoka, for really doing some groundbreaking work in terms of plant-based cheeses. Well, that is... Very, very generous of you to say that. It's true. Thank you. I mean, I know a lot yeah. of people have worked on cheese, but uh, I think you've done more than anybody in my personal opinion. Well, thank you very much. Yes.
1: <laughs> so I'll let you record history, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, history. If we're here in the future, I hope so. But that will just require everybody moving from dairy cheese to plant-based cheese, amongst but a few other happen. things.
1: It's going to happen because the alternative isn't viable and it's not sustainable. So, That's right, now you know, we're running out of land, we're running out of resources um we're running out of um all sorts of things that that will make this industry uh just sort of self destruct eventually um I don't think we're oh, too far off from that
0: no, i want to talk about i want to talk more about deliciousness. can we talk about butter yes
1: butter oh butter, oh yes. let's talk about your me butter. in vegan butter you know it's um it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cultured. We we just came out with a cultured European style butter, um, and you're in New York, so Whole Foods carries both our mozzarella and uh, our butter. Um, we we start out with cashew milk. We make our own cashew milk, and we add cultures to it, and we ferment the cashew milk, so it develops this sort of tangy flavor, and then we combine it with coconut oil. Um, organic coconut oil, of course, and um, some other ingredients to produce. Um, And then we churn it, so it's a whole new churn on butter. It's shaped like butter. It it looks like butter, um, like a European-style butter. And you can do whatever you want that you normally would with dairy butter with this butter, whether it's lathering it on your pancakes or, Mm. you know, on toast as thick as cheese, or you can melt it, you can whip it. To make buttercream, it browns like butter, which is mm. what. Uh, well, you know, margarine doesn't brown, but this does brown. Um, it's absolutely lovely, and we have won a couple of awards for it. We were at the Natural Products Expo, which is the largest natural products trade show in the world. We were there a couple of weeks ago, and we won the coveted Nexty Award. And this is an award for innovation. Uh, innovative new products, and we were uh, we won out of 500 nominations. Oh, so, everybody! I mean, the, the butter did. So that was big, a huge honor.
0: Woo! Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so we
1: were thrilled. So yeah, now, the butter is great.
0: Is the butter you're selling similar at all to the recipes you have in the homemade vegan pantry? It is similar.
1: It's not, it's better because the one of the, you know, in my book is not fermented. It's not cultured. It's kind of a quickie recipe for someone to make at home. This is a, the one we make here is a three-day process. Mm. So that gives you an idea of there's an extra layer of flavor that is hard to capture when you just do it at home, unless you go through that whole, you know, fermentation process. So, um. You yeah, know, there's a lot of wonderful things you can do at home. You can definitely replicate, you know, almost everything we do, you can do at home if you want to take the trouble to do so. Um, you know, just like with any good dairy cheese, you can make it at home too if you take the time and the effort and have the proper equipment. So we just want to make it easy, you know. I mean, not everybody hmm. wants to spend a month making cheese, so we want to make it for you. It's the same thing with butter.
0: Now, the cultures, they're actually good for us.
1: They are. They're lactic acid bacteria. So they're basically, you know, what we like to call probiotics or whatnot. They're healthy for the gut. You know, fermentation is one of the keys to health. It, man has been fermenting food for thousands and thousands of years. Um, so definitely any food that contains a fermented um, component is going to be good for you.
0: Now, you mentioned the goats, this sanctuary. Tell us a little bit more about that. How many goats do you have and where do they come from?
1: Well, we moved to a a ranch um, last summer um, with this crazy idea we'd start rescuing animals. The first animals we rescued were two goats um, from Animal Place, which is a wonderful sanctuary um, in Grass Valley. And, in fact, we're going to be doing a fundraiser for Animal Place at my house on May 22nd, so... If anybody wants to um attend that be sure to just go to animalplace.org. Um but anyway, so we got these two goats and they were strays. They were males. Um they're of a breed that's specifically known for dairy um production, but the mm. males of course are the males of course don't produce milk. So they're usually as I mentioned either sold off or sometimes abandoned if, you know, they're not they don't grow big enough for meat or whatever. So anyway, so these two were abandoned in a field. So that's where they came from. And then I have um, another goat and another sheep that are in love with each other, Benny and
0: June, (laughs) um, named
1: after that Johnny Depp movie. But anyway, Benny and June are two oddball, different species that love each other. um, And they were raised in a dog run, um, isolated in a dog run without any grass or anything. They really had never walked more than four feet. It was like they had spent six years... Six years of their six of their years, they're about six years old. So we rescued them from Farm Sanctuary, or not rescued them from, but Farm Sanctuary rescued them, and then we ad- we adopted them from Farm Sanctuary. And then we um, also have three pig, 3 hot pot-bellied pigs that were once again purchased by somebody as pets, and then the man died, and then they had to find a new home. Then we have 17 chickens, including two roosters, um, one transgender rooster, one rooster that we thought everybody thought, including um, Farm Sanctuary thought, was a 10, and after nine months uh, all of a sudden started displaying rooster-like qualities and then turned into a full-blown rooster about five or six months after they normally, you know, become roosters or reveal those rooster-like characteristics. So that was sort of unusual. Um, we're going to be adopting more animals. We have plenty of room. We have lots of acres. So, And it's wonderful. I've had wonderful volunteers that have stepped up and helped me, you know, when I travel or um, whatnot. So um, animals are getting attention and lots of acres to roam. And, um, and where is this? It, we, we are in uh, West Marin, which is um, kind of north of San Francisco, and it's absolutely... lovely. I I don't know, I find so much peace being with the animals, um, like I've never found. I could spend hours and hours and hours, and when I'm with the animals, you're just sort of in the moment with them connecting, and you're not thinking about anything else, and all your worldly troubles just go away, because nothing really matters, except I don't know, um, giving them another willow branch to chomp on. Yeah, I was just talking
0: earlier about the Easter holiday, and one of the things that's important for many people during Easter after they've gone through their services and talked about the precious peaceful lamb is to go and eat lamb and isn't uh, that strange <laughs> isn't that strange i
1: just don't get it i just don't get the disconnect at all and you know where i am i'm in farmland so every you know we're surrounded or the name of our little sanctuary is rancho compasion we're surrounded by all these ranches with everything from you know there are lots of horse ranches but lots and lots of cattle sheep they're just all over the place um down the Street, you see the little veal crate, um, you know, the little white huts that you, if you didn't know what they were before, if you ever drive to the country, you see these little white, little huts that are lined up one after the other. Um, they house individual veal calves that are very sad and lonely, and are just awaiting their, their day of slaughter to be your There's dinner.
0: There's another human invention, so anybody can just Google veal calf containers, or and the, yeah. and they you can get pictures of them. It's just another obscene human creation.
1: Yes, it's absolutely awful.
0: Okay, so and you can see them. You know, I, yeah. Up in, yeah, Marin, just, in the Marin, West Marin area. Yeah. That's lovely.
1: Oh yeah, you, you see them, and sometimes you know, sometimes I just feel like like pulling over and just going and rescuing one of them. But yeah, of couldn't. course, but that then be, they put yeah. you in jail. They would, so I just keep hoping that, you know, one of them will just escape or something and be by the side of the road, and I'll be able to put it in my car uh, and drive off yeah. or something but Well, anyway. uh, I
0: mean, that's, again, where um, money could really help, because if we all could, we could buy up all of those animals and and save them but then they'd probably uh just artificially inseminate more and make more yeah 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 so the trick is to stop eating them and uh, one way to do that is to move from dairy cow-based and goat milk-based cheeses over to the plant-based nut milk-based cheeses and uh, that brings us back to Miyoko's Kitchen there's lots of choices have the flavors developed at all or they're pretty much the same for the cheeses and are do you have some that are that you're aging a little longer or are not really Well,
1: we, we you know, that's a, that's the issue right now. We are actually looking for a larger facility to move into sure. because we have limited aging capacity. And we can only age so many thousands of units per month in our aging room. Um, And that limits our production. Um, We, You know, I would love to age. We do have uh, cheeses that we have aged just as an experiment for several months, and they are absolutely phenomenal. And we'd love to be able to introduce a line of cheeses like Parmesan and Mm. things that are aged for, you know, 8 to 12 months. Um, We don't have the capacity right now, but so right now we have to, you know, kind of, I would say the cheeses that we release are on the young side, meaning that, you know, they could be aged longer, but we have such demand that, you know, we're pushing them out a little bit sooner than we would like to, um, but they're still delicious. And and if you ever get a young cheese, uh, like one of the farmhouses that seems not quite as hard as you like, you know, wrap it in wax paper and keep it in your refrigerator, it will actually continue to age in mm. your fridge and get harder. Um, some of the cheeses, you know, I've had in my fridge for over a year, and they, and they they can become like a Parmesan in that you can grate it very, very finely over pasta or something.
0: Wow, that's exciting, yeah. and we have a lot to look forward to. Miyoko founded Miyoko's Creamery in 2014 and raised more than $85 million in funds. The company's products are now sold at more than 20,000 stores across the country, including Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and Walmart. I hope you've enjoyed these moments in history I have put together based on interviews with Miyoko. I know I did. And I hope the lawsuit is thrown out and Miyoko can go on creating beautiful things. I also hope that Miyoko's Creamery continues to produce quality products and not cheapen them to make more money for venture capitalists who originally supported Miyoko's vision. Here is a quote from Miyoko printed in the San Francisco Chronicle article I mentioned earlier. She says, I had the same ideas everywhere else. The way we save the world is through market-based solutions. The only thing we need to do is swap the product out, substituting cheeseburgers with Beyond Meat and Miyoko's cheese, for instance. Now I've rethought my position. Shinner regrets taking on major venture capital funding, but did so to promote her broader mission of ending animal farming. I still think you need to have more options, but I do not believe that so-called market-based solutions will change the world fast enough. I think you have to get to people's hearts and minds, and that's achieved through activism. And I agree. That's our mission here at Responsible Eating and Living and what we often talk about on It's All About Food. Please consider supporting the nonprofit Rancho Compasión, farmed animal sanctuary founded by Miyoko in 2015. In addition, there is LEAP. Leaders for Ethics, Animals, and the Planet, the first of its kind humane education program to reach high school students as a compassionate alternative to traditional agricultural programs like 4 H and FFA. This was started by three nonprofit animal sanctuaries in Northern California: Jameson Humane, Blackberry Creek, and Miyoko's Rancho Compasión. Thanks for listening. I am Karen Hartglass, and this has been another episode of It's All About Food. Have a delicious week. <laughs> back.